to do the work that Jesus has called us to do? That's the question that you have to answer this morning. Are you ready, as a believer in Christ, to do the work that Jesus has called you to do? The title of today's sermon is Be the Witness, and we're back in 1 Corinthians today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there or watch the screen either way. The following story is an example of how to not get people to come to church. I'm not saying you should do this. I'm saying you should not do this if you're the usher in this story. Um, And, you know, they're probably not going to listen to the gospel if you do something like this. An elderly woman walked into the local uh, country church and, you know, the friendly usher greeted her at the door and helped her up the flight of steps and Where would you like to sit, he asked. The front row, please, she answered. You really don't want to do that, the usher said. The pastor's really boring. Do you happen to know who I am, the woman said. No, said the usher. I'm the pastor's mother, she replied indignantly. The usher asked, do you know who I am? No, she said. Good, was his reply. I thought it was an interesting joke. Some of y'all get it on the way home, apparently. Um, Paul preached the gospel in, in the uh, city of Corinth in the early 50s A.D. during his second missionary journey. Opposition grew fierce there, but the Lord spoke to him in a vision and said, I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed about 18 months teaching them the Word of God and doing a great ministry there. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 is where we're going to start today. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we find that it is nourishment to our souls, nourishment to our lives, our hearts, our minds. Lord, through your word, I ask that you would not only speak to me, but to everyone here. God, if you used a donkey, please use me. I may not be any better, Lord, but I ask that you use this broken vessel and that you would fill all of us, Lord, and convict us and light a fire under our rear ends to get the gospel out into the world. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're to reach the lost any way possible. We're to reach the lost any way possible and be willing to be God's broken vessels. First of all, we're called to reach the lost. 1 Corinthians 9.19 in the New Living Translation says this, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people, to bring many to Christ. 
First of all, when Paul talks about being a servant, that's a weak translation. The word servant there doesn't actually mean servant or even bond servant. The actual word here is better translated as slave to all men. I become a slave to all people. Yes, some people have said, but the New King James and King James says servant. Yes, that is true, but slave is a better translation there. And the term slavery here is not what we would have in mind when we think of slavery. We think of the African slave trade. He has in mind that of the first century slavery, which is nowhere near as brutal as what we're thinking of, which is why they originally translated it as servant. Oh, there was some brutality, don't get me wrong, but it was not as brutal. There were times when people would actually sell themselves into slavery. And the number one reason is that they owed quite a bit of money and they couldn't pay. So they sold themselves to slavery. The second reason is due to social standing. You see, they could have had a higher status as a slave of someone rich and powerful than they could have ever had as a non-citizen of Rome. Non-citizen. You see, to be a citizen of Rome, it was not automatic as it is today in our country. You just got to be born here. Well, they had a lot of hoops to jump through. And they had to have sponsors as well if they were non-citizens. They had to have a lot of wealth to make it happen. Being a slave was still no bed of roses. Your family could be split, you could be sold, you could be beaten for not doing your work. That being said, generally the brutality was nothing like that of the African slave trade. And there were laws in place to actually protect slaves in certain times. But Paul was not only a freed man, but believe it or not, he had Roman citizenry. And it was conferred on him because his father was a Roman citizen. Acts 16.37 says, But Paul said to them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed, let them, let them come themselves and get us out. To be beat as a Roman citizen when you were not guilty of anything, you were not charged with anything, that was a huge problem. You could be, as a, <clears throat> as, as a person who keeps the law or a governor, you could be beaten. You could get into terrible trouble. But a Roman citizen had rights that others did not in this time. So for Paul to call himself a slave in this letter, it was scandalous. And it was disgusting in most Romans' minds. But he did it anyway. We know that from his other letters, Paul called himself a slave of Christ many times. But here he says he is a slave to all men, even though he is free. What in the world is he talking about? The mistake we make as, a, as Americanized Christians is that we confuse our traditions. And, and yes, if you don't believe that we have traditions, your eyes are shut and you're sleeping. We have traditions. We have them. We confuse our traditions with the unfettered truth of the gospel, of the good news in Christ. So, what is the gospel? That Jesus was virgin born, he lived a sinless life, died on a Roman cross, not for anything that he did, but for your sins. 
And on the third day, he rose again, declaring that he is the victor over death, hell, and the grave forevermore. That is the good news. That is the gospel. That is the main thing. You get that, right? And everything else will fall into place. Everything else will fall into place. We shouldn't try to change a culture to match ours so long as that culture isn't displaying immorality. In other words, if the people we're trying to reach believe that your hair has to be blue or you can't talk to them, then by all means, dye your hair blue. I might have trouble with that, and so might A.W. But, you know, I can wear a wig. (laughs) If the people we're trying to reach want to wear shorts to church, let them wear shorts. We're trying to reach sinners, not trying to steal sheep. Now, when the church was young, there was, there was a lot of disagreement about what parts of the tradition and the law of Moses that the Gentiles should keep. But it came down to the following, which seemed best to them at the time. Acts 15.24 says, We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teaching, but we did not send them. So we decided, having come to complete agreement, to send you official representatives along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're sending Judas and Silas to confirm what we have decided concerning your question. And this is what they said to them at the time. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. That's kind of simple. They're coming from a place that had over 600 and some odd laws. And this is all they required of the Gentiles because of the freedom we find in the gospel of Christ. This particular group of believers asked the question on whether they needed circumcision or not to be believers. That was the sign to Moses. And their answer was no. You see, the Holy Spirit had already given them the signs of being a believer, just as He did the Jews on that day of Pentecost. So if God has accepted them, then so does the church and the apostles. Notice that they said for this group, it seemed good to them to not lay on them any other burdens than what they had just written. It was so simple that they simply said, if you do that, You'll live well. Okay. In other words, do what we said and you should be good to go living before God. And I love that last word. It seems almost trite. Hey, farewell. In other words, see you later. No big list of rules. No Pentateuch, which by the way is the first five books of the Bible written by Moses. No Torah, which is the laws of the Jews that were added on. Well, the Torah is actually the Old Testament, Um, no traditions of men, just we think if you do these things, you should be good to go. How simple God had made things. How simple God has made things with the gospel, the gospel of peace between man and God.
Speaking of reaching sinners, let me tell you something that, uh, that we would all should remember. You can't expect people who are unsaved to act like they're saved. You can't do it. You can't expect a new convert to have it all figured out either. They need discipleship. But when we do get new converts, new disciples, let's not put on them any more than what is required. Let's not substitute the gospel and the work of the Spirit of God in their lives for our traditions. It is man's traditions that stifles the power of God. We get all caught up in what we can do and what we can't do and, and, and that we take our eyes off Jesus and we stifle God's Word. For example, Jesus gave this example in Mark chapter 7, verse 9. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition, and this is only one example among many others. I was raised in a church that, well, frankly, you must wear pants to church. They're, you're not wearing shorts, you, if you're a man. You must always look your best. When I was a teen and called to the ministry, a minister kind of took me under his wing and, and I saw someone, another teen, and he came to church with shorts on. Oh, you better believe I was all about that now. I was indignant. It really bothered me. So I said to the, to the minister, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him know that that isn't appropriate in church. And he stopped me and he said this. Is he a Christian? I said, I don't know, but I kind of doubt it. He replied, Let's be more concerned about his eternal destiny and let the Holy Spirit work on him about his shorts. In other words, why are you worried about shorts when he could be dying and going to hell? Hmm. Hmm. Preached at a church one time. Y'all heard this before. I accidentally hemmed my pants too high. They didn't hear a word I said. They were too worried about my pants. Got a call from the deacon. He said, hey, brother, what's up with your pants? Well, that stopped me. I said, I hemmed them too high. He said, okay, because that's what they wanted me to ask you. I said, they didn't hear a word I preached? Nope. They were too worried about your pants. Okay. That should have been my first clue. There were some spiritual problems going on in that congregation. But anyway. Did you know that when evangelical missionaries made it to India, India, that they found it very offensive for the missionary women to not be dressed in their traditional way? Did you know that because of that, many people would not listen to them when it came to the gospel? They knew this, and rather than have their women wear traditional Indian clothing, they stuck with their own traditions. Then one day a woman came over who ended up dressing like they did. And lo and behold, the gospel started to take hold in India. 
You believe that? Yet, she was still getting in trouble with the government there because she reached out to all castes, not just the clean ones, so to speak. Indians during that time had a very, very strict and restrictive caste system, and you never went outside of your caste. It was, it was the root of the gospel taking hold in that culture that began to undermine the caste system. And eventually, they did away with it. Just as the gospel began to undermine the slave trade around the world, and it was eventually abolished, both here and in Britain. Number two today, be willing to be God's broken vessel. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20 through 23 when I, was with Jesus, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. Why would Paul? Why would Paul? who wrote so many times about being free from the law, say that he would live like a Jew with all of their traditions and trappings. Listen, if you weren't considered a good Jew at that time, then when you came into a town, they wouldn't listen to you. Their community at that time, and even now, was very close-knit. To not be a good Jew meant you were ostracized. No one would listen to you, and no one would really talk to you. So why would Paul choose to live free amongst the Gentiles then? Because the Gentiles, also known as the Greeks, didn't much care for the Jews. So in order to reach them in their culture, he'd eat what they ate, dress like they dressed. He did everything short of compromising the gospel and Christian morality. So to reach them with the gospel, he looked like them. He proved he's a man of his word. Someone who had honor, someone to be trusted. 1 Corinthians 9.22, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. He tries to find common ground with everyone, so that he's done everything to bring them the good news of peace between God and man. Can you say that this morning? Can we say that this morning? That you have tried to find common ground with everybody around you to bring them the gospel. Listen, I don't know anything about cars that much. I can change my oil now. I'm not that bad. But I don't know the ins and outs of a carburetor, for example. Or, or anything else. That is not what I care about. I'll be quite honest with you. But when I'm around a bunch of car guys, 
I just stand, listen, insert here and there to find common ground that I might share the good news of the gospel. I don't like sports. And football's a big thing. I don't follow who's the best defensive end or who's the best quarterback, Tom Brady, or any of those other things. But, uh, but I can stand around enough because I know the rules and I know some of the teams that I can talk a little bit so that I can share the gospel with those who need it. Can we say that? I'm a computer guy. I could talk computer all day long, but most people can't. Did you know that? Yeah, you know that. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I think my last uh, director of missions over in Volusia County used to call me the nerd. He'd say, you got a computer problem? Call Pastor Joe. He knows. He, knows. he can help you. I don't know why I went down that rabbit hole, but I think I killed it, skinned it, and brought it back. So let me challenge you today. Hey, you know that quiet person that's around you at work or at home or at the grocery store? Try to find some common ground to bring them the gospel. Don't assume that they know. Folks, we don't live in a Christian nation any longer. Chances are good that they don't know the gospel Chances are good that they may, the only way they know Jesus is in a curse word. They don't know. You know that person that just rubs you the wrong way? You find them weird like me? You know? The one that just keeps showing up out of nowhere, it seems. It's like, how, why do you keep showing up in my life? They just annoy you to no end. Let me tell you something. God has put that person in your life. So go ahead and thank God for them and share the gospel with them. This life here on earth may be the only heaven that most people will ever see. And that's a sad fact. If we truly believe that what we say we believe, then let me tell you something. I don't care how many People you talk to that say, no thanks, I'm good. I, I went out with a deacon once and, and he and I were just canvassing the neighborhood, handing out flyers for the church. It was Saturday morning and I wasn't dressed up or anything. I was in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt. And uh, I guess they thought we were Jehovah's Witnesses or something because we kept getting told, nope, I'm good, thank you, have a good day. Okay. I had one guy say, I'm not religious, don't want to talk. I said, I'm not religious either. He got in his truck and left. But we got some people who listened. We got some people who prayed to receive Christ. If we truly believe what we say we believe, then we'll do something about it. Some are going to say yes to the gospel. And you know what? The church will start to be filled. But some of y'all are saying, Pastor, I can't go out and walk anymore. I can't talk to anybody. Hey, okay, you go to the doctor. I think just about everybody here, including myself, go to the doctor once in a while. Have you told the staff about Jesus? Do they look at you and go, oh no, here comes that Christian again. They're going to talk to me about Jesus. 
Some of them say, all right, here comes that Christian again. They're going to talk to me about Jesus. Let me tell you something. Did you know that you can go to whitepages.com online and type in any address around this church? By the way, the church address is 105 South Galena Ave, Mineola, Florida. You look, that, you look up like 102 or 103, it'll give you a list of all the neighbors. And you can get all their landline phone numbers for free. And you can start calling. And if you want to pay $4.95 a month, you can even get their cell phone numbers. I found that out last night when I looked at it. Now, I've had folks tell me before that they dialed the wrong number by mistake and, and had an hour-long conversation with them. Jesus came up somewhere in there. I've had somebody here tell me that before. It may have been Joe, I think. That's a wonderful ministry right there. Just start dialing numbers. Pick a street and start typing addresses. It'll give you the neighbors all around them. Now, I'm preaching to myself here, too, when I say in today's world, there is absolutely no excuse for not sharing the gospel. We are connected like never before. All you need is prayer, a testimony of what God's done in your life, and persistence. How about you? What excuse do you think you have for not sharing the gospel? What limitations do you have? I know of a quadriplegic who goes around preaching the gospel from his wheelchair. I knew a man who served as a deacon who was called to preach the gospel, but he didn't have vocal cords. He had cancer from smoking all his life. He had one of those machines, you know what I mean? Them, them things make you sound like a robot. Every Thursday night for years, he would stand up in front of alcoholics and drug addicts and, and tell them they could be free from it if they surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. Every Thursday night, he'd preach the gospel. He'd go into stores and talk to people with that thing, and you know what? People would stop just to listen to him, either out of pity or respect. He didn't care, and I have no idea, but it amazed me how many people he led to Jesus Christ with that thing. And he always had an extra on him, too, in case the battery died. He said, I don't know why I run through these batteries so much. I said, because you talk so much about Jesus. You know what, what he told me once? He said, before he lost his vocal cords to cancer... He didn't share Christ. But after that, that's all he wanted to do because he didn't have any vocal cords. He made excuses for a while because he didn't have vocal cords. His pastor told him that means he just needs to be more creative. And he came to the conclusion that he's not a very creative person. So he just needed more practice with that external thingy so people could understand him. And what better way to get practice than by telling them about Jesus? That was his idea. And he did it everywhere he went. I know of a man that, that's in very poor health right now. But as he goes to stores, he carries around little flashlights with him. Two or three. And all he asks people while he's walking around is, would you like a flashlight? And then he says, I'll give you one, but I got a story that goes along with it. and You got to listen to me if you want it. He says, this little light will help you find your way in the dead of night. It lights the way and keeps you from running into things that can hurt your foot. 
Let me tell you about a man who will also keep you from running into things that can hurt you. This man has been called the light of the world. He came some 2,000 years ago because he saw how bad the human race was and that we needed someone to save us. And his name was and is Jesus. Jesus can take all your wrongs and all your sins away and make you right before a holy God. You want to go to heaven someday, don't you? When you die. You know, nobody, I've, nobody, he told me nobody has ever said no to that question. He said, well, yeah, then Jesus is that way. John 14, 6, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father but by me. He is the only way. And then he tells them Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then he tells them Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, his son. And then he tells them Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he says, I can't save you, but I can introduce you to the man who can. Like I said before, his name is Jesus. Would you like to pray with me to receive him as your personal Lord and Savior? You'd be surprised how many people he has led to Christ that way. He's got one of them deep baritone voices like you like to hear on the radio. Anybody ever heard Bud Hedinger? Anybody ever heard Bud Henninger? He used to t- do the weather and, and whatnot. Well, he, he's on uh, an AM station, or he was, and he's just got one of them voices, them deep voices. That's like this guy. His name's Jim, by the way. And uh, he's like six foot tall. So people tend to stop and listen to him when he offers them a flashlight because they don't want to be rude. And you know what? This man has been in and out of the hospital for heart attacks, kidney problems, whatever, for years. And whatever hospital he ends up in, we know that if we go to visit him, we better bring him some flashlights because he's out. Not only has he, has he given the ones he carries around with him out, but he's seen nurses pray to receive Christ. He's seen doctors pray to receive Christ. Transporters who transport you up to the to the x-rays and all that other good stuff. He's seen them pray to receive Christ. You know, I've known this man most of my life. He was a deacon when I was growing up in my church. But he didn't start sharing his faith like this until he retired from being a butcher at Winn-Dixie down in Eustis. He tells me what changed for him was when I was their youth pastor for a while and he hurt his leg deer hunting. And... I went and I visited him and I prayed with him and I barely remember this, but at the end of the prayer I said, Jim, I feel like the Lord is sharing with me that you're about to go through some pretty bad health problems, but don't worry about it because Jesus will be with you through it. I don't remember that very much, but he does. You know why? Because he told me at first he thought I'd lost my mind. He was always healthy. And it was just a broken bone. That was over 20 years ago, by the way, and it wasn't three months later he found himself in the hospital. And they said the Lord brought, brought that time back to him because he was getting pity on himself. And he remembered that prayer. And then he said, Lord, you said you'd use me. Show me how. I don't go around giving prophecies and things like that. It was just in prayer. 
But in that time, God used a broken vessel to minister to another broken vessel so that His Word would get out. Won't you let God use you as a broken vessel today so that His Word may get out? We're to reach the lost any way possible and be willing to be God's broken vessels. Go through the doors that come open. Take advantage of it. Don't look to somebody else. Don't look to some uh, position. We're all called to share Christ. Me, you, everybody, as the ladies, or as Miss Joe comes. When's the last time you can say, I shared Jesus with somebody? That's a good question. But the worst thing would be, to those that are here and those that are watching at home or on the internet, the worst thing that there could be is if you share Jesus, you know the gospel, but you've never asked Jesus into your life. You've never truly said, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my master and Lord for all eternity. I surrender. You have an opportunity right now to do that. We could walk out these doors and be hit by a bus. Do you know that? Be dead and gone. We're going to wake up one of two places. In heaven or hell, that's your choice. Will you come to know Jesus today? And for those of us that are here in this building, at home, on the internet, whatever, when's the last time you've actually shared that with somebody? When's the last time you've actually said, I know a man who died for everything you've ever done wrong and for everything you should have did but you didn't do. His name's Jesus. When's the last time you've done that? If you'd like to receive Christ, I'm up here, I can pray with you. If you'd like to receive a special prayer, I'm up here, I can do that too. If you'd like to join this church by letter, by statement, by baptism, I'm up here for prayer as well and for that. Miss Joe, as they sing the invitation song.